Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well wherever and whenever you are. Every time we have in-person church, I make a special podcast version of the Sunday Sermon. And if you want to know more about Everyone Church, head to our website or find us on Instagram, Facebook at everyone.church. It'd be great to get to know you and come and visit us in person. It'd be awesome to meet you and come and join the journey with us. There's nothing quite like being part of a church plant. In the early days, it's quite exciting, and I hope you can join us. A couple of weeks ago, we started sharing about our little-by-little little journey in discipleship. And we are all, if we're true followers of Jesus, we're all on a little-by-little little journey of apprenticeship to Jesus, learning His ways. You know, when we become Christians, lots of things happen in a moment, like instantaneously. Like when I have faith in Jesus, instantaneously in a moment, my sins are forgiven. I'm born again. The Holy Spirit takes residence in my heart. It's not like on a time delay. It happens in a moment. But there are also a multitude of things in the Christian life that aren't in a moment. They take place little by little. Like little by little, I learn to read my Bible. I learn to walk in the ways of Jesus. I learn to continue repent, to repent of my ways. I learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. I learn to submit my life to God, which is what we've been talking about. The other day, I was in the drive-thru with my boys and uh, Elliot and Roger. They're five and three, and, and we were lining up in the drive-thru, and then we got to the, the – it was quite a lineup. We got to the drive-thru window uh, to pick up our food, and they said the dreaded words – uh, excuse me, sir, can you please go and park in the waiting bay and we'll bring your food out to you? And you're like, no, no. And even the, the Elliot in the back was like, oh, this is taking forever. And isn't that just like us? We we prefer everything to happen in a moment, in instantaneously. But not everything in the kingdom of God is instant. We're all on a little by little journey. I mean, look at our church plant. It's new person by new person, coffee by coffee, meal by meal. Trust by trust, we're on a little by little journey heading toward where God is leading us. Our little by little journey of discipleship in apprenticeship to Jesus. What, what is a disciple to you? When I, when I say this word disciple, what comes to your mind? Are you a disciple of Jesus today? Are you a follower or a fan. It's actually one of our core values here at Everyone Church is to engage in discipleship, our intentional journey towards spiritual maturity, um, our journey toward becoming like Jesus, our pursuit of Him and His ways. And we started a couple of weeks ago by sharing from Matthew 16 and how Jesus tells His disciples they must give up their way and take up their cross. And if you missed that, Check out part one of this series on our podcast. I think it's the previous episode. It's very foundational to what we're going to share about today. We talked about submitting our lives to Jesus and coming under his authority. And if we want to talk about who we really are as Christians and how we should really live, it really starts with whose you are. Who you are is founded on whose you are. And we're talking about being a true follower of Jesus, not just a fan. Many believers today are not true followers of Jesus. They're or true apprentices or disciples to him. Uh, they're what we call fair weather fans, like kind of like how I'm a fan of the Penrith Panthers. I follow them when they're doing well. 
which has been a lot more recently. But um, many believers today are fair-weather fans of Jesus. They they show up to church or they, they press into the things of God when things are going well, and then when things get tough, they disappear. Or uh, even more common, I think, is what I call a stormy-weather fan of Jesus. And these are people who come to Jesus when life is hard and they really need him right? Uh, But then when things get a little bit better, they disappear. (laughs) And then they wonder, you know, they go on this up and down journey with him. No, uh, we want to be true followers of him in season, out of season, on the highs and lows, stormy weather, fair weather. We're following him day by day, little by little. So today I want to talk about what this submitted to God life looks like practically. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 25, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So we are to give up things and we are to take up things. We live submitted to Jesus. What does a submitted to God life look like? Practically speaking, well, firstly, it starts in my heart, right? It starts with a submitted heart of humility. And how does that outwork in my life? Well, we're going to talk about that today. What are some practical signs of my submitted to God life? So I want to give us what I am calling the four T's of a submitted to God life. Now, there may be more than these, obviously, but I, I want to give us something really practical to look at, and, and they could also be used as gauges to to analyze our life and look and, and, and ask the question with the help of the Holy Spirit, like, hey, am I really submitted to God in all these areas of my life? Are you submitted to Him today? Are you truly taking up your cross daily and following Him? Well, if you are... The first place you will see that is with your time. Your time, that's the first T. I'm trying to help us remember. The four T's of a submitted to God life. The first place you will notice that is in your time. What you do with your time says a lot about who you are submitted to, right? Who or what rules your time today? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. A submitted to God, disciple of Jesus' life has evidence in its use of time. I mean, the maths is quite simple. Is there evidence of your following of Jesus and how you use your time day by day? Now, if if you were to draw like a pie chart, and you were to slice up your use of time during the week, how much could truly be associated with your following of Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about just attending a church meeting, although that is part of it. That, that's something that is going to help you follow Jesus, absolutely. It's something that I think we shouldn't give up lightly. We should be meeting together, getting in church together, uh, encouraging one another, uh, but I'm, I'm talking big picture, too. I'm talking about your use of time for the things of God, reading your Bible, prayer, fellowship, worship, growing in your understanding of the things of God, listening to a podcast, walking with Jesus. You may say, well, that's easy for you, Simo. Your job is church. Wrong. Uh, we all have to make conscious decisions about where we use our time. Stephen Covey, who's the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says this, The key is not in spending time, but in investing it. 
Your time is an investment, isn't it? Whether you like it or not. Where are you investing your time? John Maxwell says, time management is an oxymoron. Time is beyond our control and the clock keeps ticking regardless of how we head our lives. Priority management is the answer to maximizing the time we have. Priority management. This is why time is a key indicator of a God-submitted, Jesus-following life. Because time is evidence, hard evidence of my priorities. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. I love that. I also love how James lays it down in James chapter 4 verse 13 to 17. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to. Now, that's a submitted life, right? Let's continue. It says, if the Lord wants us to, we will live or or do this or that. Verse 16, otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Wow. Let's just lay in it. Just a that's an elbow drop off the top rope. That one. If I love that verse there, that says, "If the Lord wants us to." Like, how many people today really truly ask God first before making plans? What does your schedule say about you? You know, we've been church planning now for a couple of years, and man, the amount of people we've met that are just busy, busy people. Uh, you know, and, and we can be busy too. We got young kids, three young kids, people who, oh, sorry, I've just been so busy lately, or they disappear for two months. I've been so busy. And most of the time, not all, because sometimes there's just circumstantial things, of course, but most of the time, I would say a high majority of the time, a translation of, hey, I've just been so busy, really is this. This isn't a priority for me right now. Because what you do with your time says, so much about what is important to you. Where there's a will, there's a way. If it's important to you, you will find time for it. What does your time say about your following of Jesus? Do you give him any time at all? Like, come on, Christian, come on, follower of Jesus. I would suggest that all of us, I would not just suggest, I would implore us, I would exhort us that we should be giving time for God and allowing margin in our schedule as well. Dallas Willard, who's the author of The Divine Conspiracy, he's also he's written a bunch of books about spiritual d- disciplines and stuff, but he says this, in order for us to live the life of joy, love, and peace that Jesus desires so deeply for us to experience, we must eliminate hurry from our lives. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is nothing else. Wow, that's a strong practical encouragement, isn't it? There's something to be said about the idea that a full life is not an overscheduled life where I'm hurrying, I'm, I'm rushing, oh, I'm rushing, I don't have margin, right? I know that there's seasons and, and kids and moments and in business and all that kind of stuff, but I think you know what I'm saying. Does Jesus have a share of your time? Are you submitted to him in the area of time, how you use your time? So the four T's of a submitted life to God. The first one is my time. The second is my tongue, my tongue, which I'm talking about your words. What you say says a lot about who 
you are submitted to, who you're following. A submitted to God life speaks differently. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Now, in context, Jesus there is speaking about inner purity. Words are a heart revealer, right? Uh, What you do or don't talk about says so much about the condition of your heart. Complaining, gossip, slander, even excuses, or, or how about this? Or you could talk about thanks and encouragement and good things, the things of God. They reveal what is happening inside of us. What have you been talking about? Who have you been talking about? What does your tongue say about your following of Jesus? This isn't some sort of fluffy word of faith thing here. No, I'm talking about what your topics of conversation reveal about the condition of your heart. Words are a heart revealer. And here's another thing about words. Words are a heart director. Not only do my words reveal my heart, but they can change my heart. James chapter 3, we're back to James again. Chapter 3, verse 2 to 5, he says this, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. I think we could all... Amen that, right, Pastor James? Let's continue. It says, For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. My words... This is is strong encouragement from James here. My words reveal, my conversations reveal, even my self-talk reveal and direct my heart. I remember when I became a a Christian in in my teen years, man, I I used to swear all the time. I really struggled with swearing. And I read verses like in Colossians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, which says, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Or in Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So I read these verses and go, man, I'm just really struggling with this. But I remember with the help of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, and I, I, I changed the way I spoke. And I knew in my heart that certain things weren't right to say or talk about anymore because the Holy Spirit had changed my heart, right? The way I used to speak wasn't the way I was to speak going forward because I was a follower of Jesus. And a submitted to God life speaks graciously and attractively. What do your words say about you? What does your tongue say about your following of Jesus? So, The four T's of a submitted-to-God life. We're talking about what a carrying my cross and following Jesus' life looks like practically. Firstly, I'll see it in my time. Secondly, I'll hear it with my tongue, my words. And the third place I will see it is in my treasure. That's the third T, my treasure. Now, we're getting, I said we're getting really practical today. You know, we can look at these as, uh, as gauges in our life and see, hey, where is the evidence of my following of Jesus in these areas? I want to talk about money for a moment, your, your treasure. And just a quick side note, what you say about money says a lot about your heart, right? Oh, the church just wants your money. Oh, oh the, the, I don't see how they need your money. Look, these types of statements are not biblically founded and they are 
a reflection of a heart that has issues with God and money. Your money matters. And here's the thing. Your money can kill your faith, can kill you. (laughs) You need to submit your treasure to God. Now, I'm not saying you have to give it all away and give it give it to me. If you want to, you can, of course. But the point is, is you need to submit that area, the area of treasure, the area of money to God. It's not like the Lord has 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 uh, kingship over every part of my life, but this, no. What do you really own that the Lord hasn't given you anyways? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6.21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. A submitted to God life is shown in how we use our treasure. Much like our time, is it invested or wasted? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Now, I'm talking specifically about monetary matters, not time. You know, sometimes people can say, oh, I, I give with my time, not my money. No, no. Jesus spoke about money, treasure specifically. Right? Like, let's take a pie chart again. If you were to draw a pie chart what, and, and divide up your money and what you spend it in, uh, what part of that pie belongs to the things of God? I'm not just talking specifically about church, but I'm talking about things that could be associated with the kingdom of heaven. Now, just like our words, money is a heart revealer. Also, money is a heart director. Where do you want the desires of your heart to be? Oh, I, want, I want my heart to be about the things of God. I want my heart to be about the things that God cares about. Well, use your treasure for widows in Burundi, for children in Vietnam, for families in Camden, for the body of Christ, the local body that you are part of, the local family that you're a part of. Now, now I'm planning to do a, a money teaching at some point in the future. We try to do one at least once a year uh, to just kind of address that elephant in the room and and get back to the biblical definition of what we should do with our money. But let me just quickly say a a few things about giving. I was having coffee with an Anglican pastor friend of mine, and we catch up once a year or so, and we were just chatting about church and life. And I was curious. I said, hey, how do you guys communicate giving uh, in the Anglican church? And he shared with me his three G's of giving. So I'm going to completely steal them off him because I thought they were so good. And also, uh, many people think, oh, you Pentecostals, you're the guys who love to do the offering talks and blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing. This is not from a Pentecostal. This is from an Anglican guy. And he shared with me his three G's for giving. So here we go. The three G's for giving. N- number one is there's a guide of giving in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's the tithe. It's it's pre-law. Um, it's not a rule, but it's a guide. Okay? Uh, that's what Maria and I do. We give 10% to God. And then we give missions on top of that. I'm not just saying that to brag. I'm just saying that we follow that guide. Now, here's a hint. If there's a guide, it's probably wise to follow it, right? Uh, I remember when Maria and I were visiting New York City. This is like pre-kids. We're there, just huge city. We wouldn't know where to go and what to do. But we uh, got on this tour guide bus that told us where everything was. And I'm so happy that we had a guide who showed us. Now, here's the thing. There's a guide to giving. And that guide in the Old Testament is, and pre-law is 10%. So there's a guide. The second G is that there's a given of giving. Now let's move to the New Testament. Paul urges the local church that it is their responsibility to support those who minister the gospel to them. It's it's a given. It's not a debate. It's that, it's hey, this is what we're a part of and we support it with our treasure. 
So there's a guide to giving, there's a given to giving, and also number three, there's a goal of giving. And we are further challenged in the New Testament that the goal of monetary matters is to live out a sacrificial Christian life of generosity. And this is where there is no guide or limit. It's a life that is submitted to God, 100%, right? Now, I'm, I'm not saying here that you have to give 100% of your stuff away, and I'm, I'm just saying that there is a calling in our life that, Lord, that nothing belongs to me, Lord, and, and whatever you would want to make use of, it is yours, God, right? Now, if you really struggle with your treasure, this is an indicator of an arm wrestle for submission to God in, in this area of your life. There's a guide, there's a given, there's a goal of giving, and it is a you and God thing, right? It's not about me trying to convince you. It's between you and the Lord. If that's an area that you are not submitting to him, well, you've got to submit it to him, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's the words of Jesus. And, and the word for money that Jesus uses here is this Greek word mamonos, which is really, it's an interesting word because it's kind of like the personification of wealth. It's, it's, it's a negative word. And mammon describes the idol of materialism, the idol of treasure. And in Revelation 18, there's a description of this city of Babylon that is a bad city. And it's a city that has been handed over to what the scriptures call the spirit of mammon. So basically, Jesus is saying that treasure, wealth, money, thirst for riches are a false god. And this is why we're talking about it today when it pertains to submitting my life to him. What does your treasure say about you? What does it say about your apprenticeship to Jesus? So the four T's of a submitted to God life. We're talking about what it looks like to carry my cross for him. Well, we'll see it in our time. We'll, we'll hear it with our tongue with our words. We'll see it with our treasure. And the last T for today is in my thoughts. We'll see it in our thoughts. And all of these previous T's, my time, my, my tongue, my words, and my treasure, uh, they all really start in seed form in my, in my thought life, right? Uh, and there is a battle for the steering wheel of your thought life. Like imagine there's a steering wheel there. Who, who is holding the steering wheel of your thought life? Anxiety, worry, controversy, your pride? Come on, what do you think about what does your thought life reveal about your apprenticeship to Jesus? Is he ever on your mind? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Or how about this in Romans 12 too? Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Or this in Romans chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And the Greek word that uh, for, for mind and thinking that is used in a lot of these verses is this word phreneo, which means to feel and think, to have understanding and be wise, to direct one's mind, to strive. And we are encouraged to allow God by His Word and by the Holy Spirit to lead our thinking. 
you might say, oh, you're, you're being brainwashed. Well, at least we know what is washing and who is washing our brain. You know, uh, everyone is trying to get into your thought life. Everybody. And every corporation, every marketing campaign is trying to infiltrate your mind, right? What I think about says so much about who I am submitted to. And today, you are going to turn off this podcast in a moment when we finish up. Maybe you're in your car. Maybe you're on a jug. And you might, maybe, it's kind of unlikely, but you might think about what I'm sharing today. You might think about these four T's. What do you think about your time? What do you think about your words, your tongue? What do you think about your treasure? What comes to mind will say a lot about where you are at with your walk with the Lord. Your mind is a battlefield in many ways. The Bible encourages us to think of the things of heaven. There is an action on our part. It doesn't just happen by mistake. Think about what you're thinking about. Remind yourself of why you live and who you live for. You know, many things in in, in the Christian life are reminders, communion, even think about small groups, church gatherings. A large portion of why we do these things is to remind us of the things of God, right? To remind us of what is important because we all have a habit of forgetting. We all do, myself included. So the four T's of a submitted to God life, I'll see it in my time, my tongue, my treasure, and my thoughts. So I hope that this encourages and challenges you today. Obviously, my heart and intention is not to beat you up because we could all look at these areas of our life and go, man, I need improvement in this area or that area. But to be a true follower of Jesus in these areas, not just a fan, we need to submit them all to him, don't we? And over the next two weeks, I'm going to be talking about the next step in all of this because it kind of just gets harder from here. But we we have God that can help us. But the next step in all of this, to be honest, is not just submitting to God, all these areas to God, but the Bible encourages us to then submit to one another. And this is where things get really tough because people are involved. You're involved. (laughs) I'm involved. Others are involved. And people aren't perfect. A large part of your discipleship journey takes place in the proximity of others. In fact, people frame your future. And God makes use of the people around you to help achieve His purposes within you. It's like they're the subcontractors for His discipleship in your life. He uses people to help you become more like Him. Isn't that amazing? And not only that, He uses you to help others as well. So where are you at today? Are are you following Him with your time? with your treasure, with your tongue, with your thoughts. And if you're not, I encourage you to take a moment. I'm going to close in prayer, and I want you to submit these areas of your life to Him in a fresh way. Maybe you need to make some practical steps of of slotting in time, of investing your treasure, of giving something, living a life of of generosity, of of speaking words of truth, speaking out God's Word, of, of, of watching what you say. Or, and fixing your thoughts on Him. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share on a podcast and to speak in the lives of your people and remind myself as well, Lord. And I ask you that you would help us to submit every area of our life to you. Lord, we say as true followers of Jesus that nothing in our life is off limits. Lord, our, our time, our tongue, our words, our treasure, our thoughts, we submit them to you. 
Lord, we lay them down. We we give them up to you, Lord, and we take up our cross. We want to follow you under your authority. Lord, and we say our life is your life. It's not ours. It's yours. And I ask you to make use of our days on earth to see your kingdom come and to live in a way that pleases you in every way. In Jesus' name. And I thank you that there is purpose in that. There's joy in that. There's excitement in that. That we can follow you, Lord. That as we lay things down, it's actually gain for us. We are gaining all that you are and all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, hope you have a great week. And we'll see you soon. See you next time.